0: Alright, alright. Welcome back, listeners. Welcome back to another episode of What Had Happened, to true crime podcast. I'm your host, Kimberly, bringing you lesser-known true crime stories. When I'm not concussed. Hey, but a bunch My goodness, can you guys believe that, first of all, it's the first day of summer. Happy summer solstice. And also, Father's Day. Wham-bam. Thank you, Sunday ma'am. Happy Father's Day to all of my dad listeners out there. We're already six months into the year, that went by really freaking quick. Um, I hope you are all doing well and enjoying the beautiful weather, you know, getting ready for your hot boy and hot girl summers. I've been laying out whenever I can here in anywhere USA, as well as recovering from my little concussion. Before I get further into the introductions and then the episode, there are a few things though that I need to address Uh uh-oh she just popped her gums (coughs) gird your loins children so I know I mentioned it before but apparently some people don't listen or they just like fast forward through my intro that's all good that's okay but let me let you know here's some things here's some rules of engagement with me When I began conceptualizing my format for this podcast, I had to take a lot of things into consideration, i.e. my personal safety, my family's personal safety, the personal safety of my friends. I also had to take into consideration the fact that I talk about some of the superest, dankest... I just made my own word, superest. (laughs) I talk about some of the darkest, dankest shit that happens. And a lot of times, I'm talking about criminals who are still alive. I'm talking about criminals who may have done a crime 30 40 50 fucking years ago and are now roaming the streets if they still have a pulse so with that being said here at what had happened a true crime podcast we are anti-doxing if you have the distinct pleasure of knowing me personally knowing where i live who my people be so on and so forth i'm gonna need y'all all all to keep that shit under your lid i love you thank you why because nobody needs to know where i live the last thing i need is to have a target on my back because i've said that i'm from some place or i live in some place i don't need that type of strife brought upon my family like I mean, it's inevitable that I'm going to talk about a crime that will transpire somewhere around anywhere USA. Um, if you've been paying attention, I hit the whole country. So if I'm in anywhere USA, it suffice it to say, I'm most likely going to talk about something that has happened in the state in which I am in. But that's nobody's business but my own. And I appreciate you guys for respecting that because there's like a level of professionalism and a line that needs to be drawn in the sand when it comes to personal security and what makes me feel comfortable. Because, see, I don't have to do this, I don't have to talk about true crime. It's my passion, kind of like fashion. So, with that being said, If I feel like I am being placed in harm's way because someone wants to dox me, someone wants to drop information about me, it's not about me, guys. It's about the lesser known true crimes. And honestly, I don't want to become a lesser known true crime story. Okay? So, like, thank you guys for respecting my personal space um respecting my family my tribe my people um we're here to talk about other stories not to become them so if we listen responsibly and interact responsibly i feel like we can save lives instead of like you know putting people in crosshairs all right you know thank you guys like You guys are loyal to me and I love you all. I just needed to let you know, like, you know, a few months in, some hairy things have popped off that I've been able to navigate and to get away from and I just want to have fun doing this. Well, not fun, but it's my passion. So I would like to be able to enjoy doing what I'm doing, which is giving you guys quality programming without having to worry about boogeymen coming to get the the girl with the big mouth who's talking about the nefarious things that they've done. Okay. So, back to the script. Again, I know you guys can listen to anyone, so I am super beyond stoked you chose to listen to me. Don't forget to join the What Happened Facebook group where I and other members share dank true crime memes, and true crime stories, as well as on Instagram and Twitter where I barely tweet links can be found below in the description box along with my references per the usual. So last episode I told you about the brutal murder of model Linda Sobek at the hands of photographer Charles Rathbun. This week I'm going to discuss what had happened to model Jasmine Fiore. Today's episode I used true crime with aphrodite jones season 2 episode 7 casting a killer which originally aired on investigation discovery may 12 2011 as my information i mean yeah there's a little wiki you know i'm gonna give you what i really need to give you but like the bulk of my info it came from miss aphrodite jones so oh my goodness the early 2000s shout out to all my peeps out there who have been riding this reality tv train i feel like reality television took the world by storm and okay so i'm gonna show by age hair like i remember when vh1 was once known for its more adult contemporary music video programming you know and it took from parent company mtv's playbook and hit like they hit the ground running when they started to lose i feel like when they started to lose viewership and stuff they reinvented the wheel you had rupaul the rupaul show it was a talk show you had pop-up video pop 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 up video oh my goodness i loved pop-up video because i'm like a pop culture like aficionado So you know, like you had all of these great things. They started playing like more current music videos, and then all of a sudden, like in the early two thousands, they started hitting, like, hitting us with a bevy of quote unquote unscripted reality TV shows. So you had like uh, surreal, was it surreal life, the flavor of love. Oh my goodness, that one with Flavor Flav and Bridget Nielsen, which was the spinoff from. Surreal Life from their season. Uh, you got I Love New York. You know, like a lot of the girls and a lot of the guys who participated in these reality dating shows eventually got their own spin-offs. And I mean, like, so from like the surreal life to basketball wives, the network has pumped out hits, like hit makers, like for the love of Ray J, um, Rock of Love, Charm School. I feel like I'm giving some of you guys like goosebumps, like real chance at love um but the one that i'm gonna reference today is actually uh the one where <clears throat> in february 2009 the rock of love alum megan hauserman began filming her spinoff love match reality show megan wants a millionaire who remembers like show of hands who remembers megan wants a millionaire okay there's like three of you And three of you remember that there were only like two episodes that aired, right? Do you remember why? Okay. Well, of the 17 eligible bachelors vying for Megan's heart, one in particular stood out. 32-year-old Ryan Alexander Jenkins of Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Brunette, with a slick smile and proclamation of having a wealth of $2.5 million, Ryan began his attempts to woo Megan Hauserman quote i'm a bit uh i'm a little bit of a prince charming a little bit of a bad boy ryan said to megan when they first met megan said that as the show's taping continued she began to believe all that he told her because he was so convincing megan said that even after cameras stopped rolling for the day ryan would contact her sending her messages asserting that they could be good together they could be happy together that he wanted to build a life with her which was jarring to her honestly because <coughs> the two had only known each other for a couple of weeks so at one point megan said that she considered choosing ryan as the winner however as she got to know him better, quote, it became obvious he just had lots of lines that didn't seem genuine at all. And when Megan asked him about his millions, Megan said he told her a story about how it would take a long time to have his money converted into U.S. dollars. Megan said it seemed to her that Ryan had an answer for everything and that his stories were like constantly changing from one person to the next when ryan made it to the final three he was so confident that he would be chosen by megan he had his his, you know he flew his father out from canada to los angeles to cheer him on on that night megan did not choose ryan so here's a little okay again like i went off of the episode so it was kind of like back and forthy so here's something about ryan when ryan came to the u.s from canada he started out in las vegas okay he he became like a little roller out there he liked you know hitting the scene i don't know what the fuck the scene is but the scene whatever it is you know he liked schmoozing feeling important being like a big up a big roller a high roller i don't know what is it i'm concussed big roller high roller high roller um so he was like about that life. But he really had ambitions of becoming a star. And so he found out, like somebody said, Hey, you should come to LA. They're doing like casting or something like that for the show and Ryan was like, Hey girl, hey That's a line from The Rock of Love. Who remembers that one? I bet you do. Anyways, so he was like, Hey, I'm gonna go run out there and I'm gonna become like a super billionaire, millionaire, like superstar, whatever. I don't know what his assets were, you know, that were going to make him a star, but he was going to, at least within the reality TV realm, he felt like he had a footing. And then he was cocky and arrogant and just knew that he had this whole thing in the bag and that he was going to be able to win the show. So, when that didn't happen, he left Los Angeles and retreated to LA and, you know... While in Las Vegas, he wasn't a loser. He was whatever he presented himself to be, and having been on reality TV catapulted him into a world of pseudo-celebrity. I think I just made this term up, but, like, what I'm trying to say is that in Hollywood, being dismissed from a reality show could be considered failure. But in Las Vegas, the fact that Ryan was on TV at all was enough to make him a celebrity in his own right. So Ryan could make himself out to be anyone he wanted to be. It was during this time that Ryan met and fell head over heels, head over want, there you go, that's the best way to put it, head over want for beautiful blonde model Jasmine Fiore. Okay, Last time peeps. If you've ever seen a Live Links commercial from the early 2000s, you've most likely seen Jasmine Fiore secondly if you watched enough super late night television as of recently like during the pandemic or whatever because you're you've got a different kind of sleep schedule i have literally look listen to me weekends i want to say it's like okay here we go i'm dropping all the tea i want to say it's like on like the cw or something like that like late late nights on the weekends. If you're channel surfing and you see these live, like, listen to me. They still roll the commercials with Jasmine Fiore. Mm hmm. Yeah. Like, once in a while, I will be, like, channel surfing super late, trying to find some, like, true crime or something. And I'll get a glimpse of Jasmine Fiore. And I'm like, damn. Like, y- y'all haven't casted anybody else for these commercials I mean like it's nice to see her face posthumously but like can you imagine how hard that might be for some people to see oh it gives me chills not really but yeah it does it makes at least gives me goosebumps (sighs) ah anyways like I was saying though if you watch enough super late night tv like i do from time to time the live link commercials where jasmine is telling local singles how they can meet other local singles on the party chat line are still being run a little more about jasmine is that when she was a girl she was said to be like extremely shy having been raised by her single mother and like no true relationship with her father and other not so healthy relationships with other men jasmine was super guarded and had difficulties trusting nobody can blame you sis nobody can blame you well somewhere in her early adulthood it's when she decided to pursue her career in acting and modeling jasmine got breast implants um as an enhancement to help facilitate getting roles and you know all of that stuff so that's like I know listen a lot of people have breast implants I normally wouldn't mention it unless it was a pertinent part to this story so just remember that Jasmine got breast implants early in her career as a model and actress so in 2006 25 year old Jasmine relocated from la to las vegas where she felt she could make her career goals happen she worked as a car dealer at the playboy club modeled obtained her real estate license she planned to open her own fitness center um you know from time to time jasmine was seen on the arms of some of the most notable men in las vegas such as uh chuck widell you know ambitious and goal-driven jasmine worked extremely hard to obtain the lifestyle she dreamed of having growing up in northern california so on march 16th 2009 jasmine met the dark and handsome ryan in a vegas strip nightclub after two days together on march 18th 2009 in what is beyond a whirlwind ryan and jasmine ran off to the little white wedding chapel in a fever hotter than a pepper sprout which raised quite a few eyebrows for ryan jasmine was presumed to be a replacement for megan hauserman while jasmine's initial reasons weren't immediately disclosed her friend close friend marta montoya said that jasmine wasn't ready to be wed at the time what really happened was the two entered a marriage as the marriage as an arrangement i mean yeah they had like a lot of feels for each other but there were some strings attached ryan's visa was about to expire and he needed to be married you know to an american to gain citizenship he had also promised jasmine ten thousand dollars a month if she would agree to do so help you know to help him stay in the country um but see the thing was this he wasn't paying her do you remember how i told you he had told megan hauserman that his money was tied up in canada it would take forever to get it you know the currency converted there was always an excuse well he was always giving jasmine an excuse and and Marta Montoya was saying you know like Jasmine started to get frustrated because he wasn't living up to his end of the agreements that they had made and the promises that he had made to her you know she was fitting the bill for a lot of stuff you know like the incidentals groceries dinner but I guarantee you this man had like a sophisticated palate so she wasn't buying ramen noodles okay like you know so it's that so Huh. a month into their marriage cracks began to surface while at a party ryan and jasmine both inebriated got it into a heated argument because he i guess he saw her with an ex or she was flirtatious or something like that like i it's scuttlebutt whatever i don't really want to get into the like the drama of it all so to speak to use the canadian parlance but He pushed her. He shoved her quite forcefully. She was a tiny wisp of a thing. So, you know, Ryan ended up spending the weekend in jail for domestic violence. And realizing that the marriage was probably not the best decision she made, Jasmine began contemplating annulling the marriage. And see, the problem was that, like, because she was, like, a fierce, independent woman who had been, you know, working so hard to build her nest and create her life. um, I have I feel like she probably told him like hey you know I'm thinking about getting this shut down like she had to have already like let it be known and so he started to sweat so after that the two would get back with with each other you know in ways of acts of adultery in june of 2009 ryan had received some super amazing news though he'd been cast for the third season of vh1's reality competition show i love money um with his marriage deteriorating and jasmine filing for an annulment the month before ryan begged jasmine for another chance telling her that he was going to go to mexico and win the quarter million dollar prize money and change their lives while in mexico the the two were still in a volatile state and they were not speaking but when ryan returned to los angeles from mexico in july he confided in jasmine because like i don't know if you know this obviously they do the filming like way before they actually drop the shows so obviously the contestants know who won and who didn't win and there's like non-disclosure agreements but he couldn't keep his fucking mouth shut so he ran off to his wife he confided in her that he had in fact won the show and the prize money you know which basically helped to ease the tensions between them you know although jasmine had begun seeing her ex ryan uh or robert hasman you know while ryan was in mexico this was something that was you know she was willing to kind of like let bygones be gone bygones and try to you know work on their marriage with him um they said that jasmine had dyed her hair brunette it looked super good on her not gonna lie like it fit her um and just wanted to reinvent her wheel so to speak by august 2nd 2009 the premiere night of megan wants a millionaire the two seemed to be on the path of marital repair A co-contestant who had dinner with the couple recalled that approximately five times during the dinner, the pair began making out at the table. It was quite fucking uncomfortable, but they seemed to be in good spirits. On August 13th, Ryan and Jasmine checked into a beachfront hotel in Del Mar, California, called La R. oh, jeez, where is it? Never mind, it's later on down in the script, y'all we'll get to that later by saturday august 15th ryan and jasmine's friends began receiving text messages from ryan asking if they knew the whereabouts of jasmine on the 15th ryan filed a missing persons report for his wife with los angeles with the los angeles sheriff's department 30 miles south of la and buena park police received a disturbing call though A man had found a suitcase in a dumpster behind an apartment building and noticed first that there was something leaking from it, and then when he opened it, identified a human body. While police responded, they found the body of a nude woman dismembered. The woman's fingers and teeth were moved to hinder identification. The coroner's examination would show that she suffered from blunt force trauma to the head as well as strangulation. Without teeth or fingers, it would have been extremely difficult to identify the body However, the coroner noted that this woman had breast implants and was able to identify her body through the implant serial numbers. On August 17th, 2009, the body of Jasmine Fiore was identified. So, retracing everything, detectives found out that on the evening of August 13th, Jasmine and Ryan checked into a suite at La Auberge Hotel in Del Mar, California at approximately 3.30 p.m. because the two were supposed to attend a charity poker tournament. At 6.25, surveillance caught the two of them leaving, all, you know, looking all pretty. It's believed that during the tournament, Jasmine began texting her ex, Robert Hasman, initially asking, you know, him to get her out of del mar because she was done with ryan like send the jet and get me the fuck out of dodge i want to annul this thing i just want to be with you Huh? so august 14th surveillance footage of the couple leaving the del mar hotel well wait a minute let's back that shit up there was surveillance of them leaving the hilton and that was at 2 30 a.m after the tournament and then later they were seen at the ivy hotel nightclub in san diego it's believed that somewhere between the ivy hotel and la alberge ryan discovered the texts and they probably fought over this fucking phone like i feel like he saw it he caught a glance of it he was like let me see your fucking phone and she was like no you can't see my phone and they fought over this phone and then he beat her up in the face and And then he saw what she said. They fought more. He beat the shit out of her. And so then realizing that he had beaten her and he could not walk his bloody beaten wife through, you know, through the lobby of this hotel. He decided to take her to through the private entrance, which is basically like an outdoor patio sitch. But once he took her body out there, because there was actually evidence that she'd been out there. You know, there was clumps of hair there was splatters of blood you know he realized he couldn't enter from the outside footage is shown of him running at approximately 4 30 a.m to his room alone where it's believed that he opened the back patio door to sneak jasmine into their suite undetected as i said before her blood and hair were found on the patio and after realizing like that he couldn't access that door directly you know from the outside he had to go around and do all that shit at 5 a.m ryan is seen again on camera with a bucket of ice on surveillance Um, detectives believe that during this time frame when ryan returned to the room ryan and jasmine continued to argue and discuss the state of their marriage it's believed that jasmine told ryan to kiss off and that she was done especially since like i'm sorry but she's a model so you fucked up her pretty and, um, you know, like, no, no, and no, you're a piece of shit, like, no, you're not gonna fuck with me, so, huh, it's believed that Jasmine and Ryan, you know, fought, and that she told him she was done, and in a panic, he strangled her, and then proceeded to dismember her body to impede immediate identification as an afterthought, I call bullshit on that part, but okay, whatevs, at six twenty four AM, Ryan is seen on camera carrying the contents of his suitcase like in his arms to his car. Using and it's believed well we know it wasn't fucking believed. He used the suitcase to house and transport Jasmine's body and he used the private patio entrance to remove her from the room without detection because at nine twenty AM Ryan Jenkins checked out of the suite at La auberge alone and without any luggage so they're saying that they believe Ryan wanted to just make a straight shot up I don't know I something in LA or to get to LA from Del Mar however construction detoured him and And instead of just going straight to L.A., it led him to Buena Park, where he saw an apartment complex with a dumpster in the back, and just pulled up and discarded the suitcase. Ryan made it back to his and Jasmine's apartment on foot at 5.02 p.m., having hidden Jasmine's car approximately a mile away from their home. When Ryan returned to his apartment he began the task of building his alibi by texting jasmine and her friends from his phone and then sending reply text messages to his phone using jasmine's it's you know textbook shit that we see on dateline all of the time he thought he was so fucking smart y'all at 9 p.m ryan filed a missing persons report with the la sheriff's department August 16th, when detectives tried to contact Ryan for further questions in his wife's disappearance, he had already left the state of California. Ryan had told detectives that he was en route to California because his visa was about to expire. Police say that Ryan first traveled from California to Nevada to pick up his speedboat. Fancy. On August 17th, when contacted by police, Ryan said that he was in Utah and on his way to Canada to handle his immigration issues. At this point, Ryan was just considered a person of interest, but his disappearance following reporting his wife missing was suspicious. So, in all points, Bolo basically was put out in the U.S. and in Canada. Police also knew that Ryan's family had resources, a private plane, and property in Honduras, which has like, they're like a no extradition country los angeles police feared that if ryan made it to canada he'd be able to slip off to honduras and then like you know talking to their person of interest would be for nigh the day after jasmine's body had been found there were sightings of ryan piloting his boat in a marina near his stepmom's home it's believed that he entered canada somewhere between the 19th and 20th of august and on August 20th, an arrest warrant was issued for the arrest of Ryan Jenkins for first-degree murder. At 6 p.m. in Hope, British Columbia, Ryan and his half-sister arrived at the Thunderbird Motel. The two appeared to be like a couple. She paid for three nights stay and left shortly after like she only got her brother checked in, stayed for 20 minutes or so, and then left. The manager of the motel said that when he saw Ryan outside of his room the following day, um he failed to recognize him from the news coverage as he looked so different from the polished photos the news had been circulating. To him, Ryan looked exhausted and worse for wear. <sighs> At eleven thirty AM on august twenty third, when the quote unquote couple failed to check out of them out, the manager went to the room. He said he opened the door a little and said hello. And then he got no response and opened the door further he saw Ryan hanging from the towel rack by his belt. The manhunt was over, Ryan Jenkins's remains had been discovered. While he left no suicide note at the mot- at the motel, police did discover from his computer or recovered from his computer a document titled My Last Will and Testament dated August 20th, 2009. A few days following the suicide of Ryan Jenkins, Jasmine's white Mercedes was located in a West Hollywood parking lot. Now, in light of all the tragedy and heinousness surrounding the brutal murder of Jasmine, VH1 pulled episodes of Megan Wants a Millionaire as well as the entire season three of I Love Money. It was also later discovered that when doing the background check on Ryan for these shows, because the background checks were only done for, like, the U.S. and not internationally, they missed the fact that Ryan had been convicted of assaulting a woman in Calgary in 2007. So, the day after Ryan's death, Megan Wants a Millionaire was canceled altogether. You know, that show was canceled. Ryan's father has always asserted that his son was innocent and was the real victim in all of this he said that his son was victimized not only by jasmine but also by the media and their judgments of him so what had happened is this jasmine fiori was an ambitious woman who grew up you know with a single mom And so she had a lot of friends who had more things like horses and, you know, all sorts of shit. And she enjoyed working with the horses and she wanted to have those types of things when she got older. So she knew that she had to work hard to do so. And so she did. She worked hard her entire life and she built Her career however she felt she needed to do so chef don't judge modeling is not something that I look down on it is what it is um you know she got into all of the different things she marketed herself but she fell for a person who was in my eyes a grifter because they say he was like a short-term con man like everything was a short con for him You know, but I think there was a whole entire grift because the long con was getting his American citizenship and then, you know, God only knows what it was going to be after that. But the two got together and because Jasmine wasn't falling for his shit and he was already an aggressive, toxic man who wasn't used to taking no for an answer you know it was a match made in fucking hell basically and it saddens me because Jasmine was on her way out the door and he couldn't let her get away he had to have his thumb on her and instead of I mean like he knew he knew he was fucked when he beat her in the car and I guarantee you he knew when he beat her in the car that he was going to have to to kill her because she was not going to take she was not going to take that beat down. She was not going to take it lightly. As soon as they left that hotel, she was going to press charges against him. Like in you know, and so he panicked. He killed her and then he went further, which tells me that there was some calculation behind this. I'm sorry i don't feel like this was just like an impulsive last minute decision i feel like he actually like put some thought into it um but it also takes time it takes strength it takes a lot of power and force to extract people's teeth um and then to cut fingers off and then i mean even though she was she was a tiny woman to still stuff her into a suitcase what the fuck like Jesus fucking wept what the fuck and then to just toss her in in a dumpster behind an apartment complex like she was just trash what the fuck i'm sorry and then you go home and then now you start texting people i hope she's not pulling this i know i hope she's not playing games i hope this isn't a bullshit stunt where is your friend i don't know where my wife is sorry 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 to bother you you guys have you seen my love i'm sorry and then to text back as her from her phone oh i'm getting my nails done oh i'm at dinner with friends bullshit and then go file a missing persons report and then skip fucking town no you thought about all of this this was some crooked shit so sorry 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 Ryan's father I don't fucking feel like your son was victimized he was like Jasmine was my son's only friend and she isolated him he was a grown ass man who could have met friends if he wanted to if he isolated himself he isolated himself by fucking choice okay because if she still had friends and she still had tethers out there it's because she made the effort to maintain these relationships and to her, her her relationships were not disposable just because she was in a relationship it's very telling when people throw that out there oh well you know i used to have friends until you Or, you're my, I didn't have, I don't have any friends, but you. That's very fucking telling. It's different to say that, you know, like, oh, all of my friends are all over the place. And, you know, you're the only friend that I have that's local. That's different. But also recognizing not to monopolize that person and use them and abuse their time it's different when it's your spouse or you're like in a relationship but that's also gaslighty like don't gaslight that person as well you know what i mean like there's boundaries and there's healthiness that needs to be there there's guidelines to this shit you know um so to me he was a fucking monster what he did to her was disgusting it was deplorable and he took a pussy way out because he knew that this that you know it was closing in on him he didn't kill himself because he felt guilty about what he had done to her i feel like it was actually just a narcissistic act on his part because he didn't want to be in front of a jury and deal with that extradition because they would have extradited his ass Canada would have served him up on a fucking platter because they have they were working in tandem with the US. They had put out a bolo on his vehicle and his boat. So they knew what his black BMW SUV looked like as well as his license plate. Um together. It, it was just a it was just a matter of time. So I don't feel like it was out of guilt. I felt like to him to me, it was an act of fuck you to the Lapore family, which is Jasmine's mother's family. That's all that was. I mean, yeah, he might have felt fucked up about what he did. He might have had like a bit of guilty conscience, but everything that he did for the most part to me tells me that this man decided to just, it wasn't, it wasn't because he couldn't live with himself. He just didn't want to become he just didn't want to get caught that's all and that was the only way out he knew that he wasn't going to make it to Honduras somebody told him no somewhere along the lines maybe the conversation came up when his sister had only paid for the three days that you know this is as far as we can get you and then you're gonna have and then maybe somewhere in between there things blew up you know or oh we're gonna have difficulty getting you out of this who knows not privy to any of that shit here's what i know (sighs) reality tv is a fucking monster you see what you what they want you to see and i say they as in the people that present themselves on these shows as well as production okay um All that glitters isn't gold, for sure. Okay? Um, That's not to say don't pursue your dreams. That's also to say beware because there are a lot of wolves in sheep's clothing out there. There are a lot of slicksters. I hear the song Date Rape by Sublime in my head. You know? Like, I think about greasy assholes like that. I think about the scumbag sons of bitches I've encountered in my life With the double chins and the plastic smiles How'd you like to take a ride? You know That kind of shit The ones that Hey, why don't you come sit on my casting couch? I don't know shit about a casting couch But, you know I think about stuff like that <sighs> Super tragic Super tragic you know, we hear about this a bit. There have been few other instances where there's been uh, spouses killing spouses, especially in the Hollywood sector. Um, actors flipping the fuck out, killing wives or husbands. Kelsey Grant, or not Kelsey, uh, Phil Hartman. God. Yeah, yeah. Phil Hartman and his wife, I believe her name was Bree. That was another horrible one. That was... That was a earth-shattering murder-suicide committed at the hands of Phil Hartman's wife. Um, and she had substance abuse issues. You know, I mean, dear goodness. Well, guys, fuck, I'm going to stop prattling on, you know. My brain is still kind of sore. But I appreciate you guys for uh, riding this one out with me something new something exciting in the next week and a half maybe i'm gonna try to pace myself because it's been kind of difficult for me to um get the um recordings done with my schedule being all topsy-turvy and stuff but i'm really working for it i'm really working hard to make sure that i give you guys some great content miss you guys love you guys no outro music today because you guys got an earful from me in the intro as well as this what happened prattle on at the end love you guys bye